like I feel like I've built this very slowly. And I guess eight years is, you know, some would see that as quick, some wouldn't. But I think my mistake was that I was so, I was such a loner in the process that I didn't build relationships with people that could have helped me scale faster in different ways. Although I'm pretty happy with being a, my own partner on my portfolio. Like I'm, I prefer that actually. But just this most recent multifamily deal, it's kind of opened my eyes to like, it takes me eight years to build a portfolio of 100. And it took me 12 days to build a portfolio of, let's say it's 370 with two guys, you know, and that's just because of relationships. So I think my mistake or what I, you know, would change would be just being more open with people that are doing the same thing I'm doing instead of being so closed off. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 249. Got a great episode this week with Zach. His net worth is around $6.5 million, most of it in real estate, split between single family homes, duplexes, and some more recent uh, acquisitions for his portfolio in the multifamily space uh, with himself and some partners. It's a real interesting uh, time out there with real estate values and prices. I think we're starting to see the slowdown. Now, obviously, the increase in interest rates is, is started to cause, but definitely going to be something to, to pay attention to. We obviously recorded the this episode with Zach before you know rates started drastically increasing, um, so maybe his portfolio has has slipped a little bit. But uh, we've not done a follow up with him to to ask. So for all intents and purposes, his net worth is at six point five million um, when we recorded. Last week we had Bob. His net worth was uh, is three point five million. Came to the U.S. in nineteen ninety seven with only eight hundred dollars in his pocket and worked his way up the corporate ladder. Pretty diversified portfolio. Portfolio and all of his debt, including his real estate, uh, was paid is paid off. So interesting episode with him. If you're interested in that, go check that out. It's episode number two forty eight. Without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Zach. Zach, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? I'm a real estate investor. I live in Missouri. I started out in 2006 selling real estate. I bought my first investment property in 2013. Just kind of thought I'd try it out and uh, I did it. I liked it and I just kind of kept doing it and eventually worked myself out of a sales job and into investing uh, full time. Awesome. And what is your net worth today? It's around six and a half million. And how is that broken up? It's broken up into real estate and, and basically just cash deposits with the bank. So um, I've got a personal portfolio um, of 100 doors or so, a little over 100 doors. That's got about uh, $3 million in equity. Um, and then I've got a partnership with two guys on a multifamily deal here uh, that's a couple million in equity. And then I've just got a little over a million in, in just liquid for buying real estate quickly and closing fast and remodeling properties and flipping. And so I, I just kind of fund that myself. Gotcha. So that's the breakdown. So pretty much a hundred percent real estate. I have nothing in the market. Is that correct? I think I have 25,000 in an IRA. Okay. That, I mean, from, from five years ago. So yeah, I have nothing in the market. Yeah. And then do you rent or own a home? Yeah, I own a home. And do you have equity in that as well? 
Yeah, I've got a, a couple hundred thousand. It's worth about six six twenty five. You know, I've okay. got about three three eighty something like that. Okay. So let's let's back up here a little bit. You said you started investing what 10, 12 years ago almost, or I guess a little less. How did how did all this get started? Obviously, you started out as an agent. At what point did mm-hmm. you decide to make the move and the switch to be an investor in real estate and then move on from essentially being an agent full time? Yeah, so I started selling real estate 15 years ago, basically when the recession had started. And so I was working as a new agent and I was basically just hound dogging, you know, finding finding good deals for investors because they didn't care how old I was or how much experience. If I could just find a good deal for them, then they would buy it and I would make my my quick check. And so I was around a lot of investors. I was um in all those properties and I learned it very well, but I just didn't have any money at the time and I really didn't know how it worked on on their end. I knew how it worked on my end, but all these guys were, you know, they were they were wealthy and they were like everybody was having a hard time during the recession, but they were not having a hard time. And so I just always thought, man, I need to I need to try to figure out what they're doing. And so I kept selling real estate, eventually became sort of a top producer here in this area. I was making a lot of money, but I was working a lot. Kind of hit burnout after around I don't know, seven years. Um, but I, I had paid off my wife's college debt, credit cards. We, we paid off our cars. We, we got ourselves in really a great position to start stacking up money and just saving it. And so as I started doing that, I thought, well, I'm going to buy an investment property and just kind of get some of that money working for me. Um, and so I did and I was nervous and all of that, right? Like normal emotions that everybody has, but, after about two or three months of like owning that first one, it, it I was making about $350 a month and the account started building up and I just kind of got addicted to the idea of initially it was like, if I could make enough cash uh, flow to pay for my mortgage, I would be really, really happy. And so I just kind of focused on little goals like that. And then I kept hitting them and then I just started getting more addicted to the whole process, you know, and I just, after, so I guess it was seven years ago, you know, or eight years ago, I bought my first house. And then after that, I was just like, I want to do, I want to invest. I don't want to sell real estate, but they worked hand in hand together because I started my guy that buys homes business and I marketed to the agents because I had relationships with them. You know, I was one of them. We did deals together all the time, you know, so I had, you know, we had relationships. And so I marketed to the agents, call me first. If you get a crappy house or duplex or package of houses or multifamily. And I just started hammering that away every week, marketing to them. And that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at, which is, you know, I basically just manage my portfolio, buy and sell stuff, flip stuff. And I still sell a little bit of real estate, but it's basically fizzled out to almost nothing basically at this nothing. point. Yeah. 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 Which so, is fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So allocation wise, Six and a half million net worth, three million in personal real estate, which is about a hundred doors, two million in a partnership, which is also real estate, and then about a million liquid plus whatever in the house and and anything else. Exactly. Yep. So what did you do with your money before you started investing in real estate? I know you don't have much in the stock market now. Did you used to invest in the stock market or were you just holding cash thinking at some point I will invest in real estate? Yeah, I I was just 
I was basically just focused on not investing. I was focused on just like paying my wife's college, you know, that debt off. I was focused on paying some credit cards that she had paying. Um, you know, we had some car loans. I paid those off. So that that's kind of where I was focused. And I didn't start making like serious money until about two years. So about nine years ago. And so when that started happening, that's when I started going, okay, I'm going to start, start buying houses. And I didn't know anything then about the burying properties, you know, and, and buying them and renovating them with, and then having no money in the end. I was just buying a house, putting, you know, 15% down and then paying for the remodel, buying a house, putting 15% down. And I did that 11 times. And so I got to this point where I'm like, geez, you know, I can't keep buying, you know, putting 15,000 down on every house. If I'm going to buy one a month, you know, it just like got, and so that's when I started learning about credit lines and borrowing differently. So, but before that, no, I didn't have any retirement. I was just paying debt off, you know, and then just saving up money. How did it start, Zach? You mentioned, hey, I don't want to sell anymore. I want to buy real estate. Was there a moment or a conversation or something that happened where you said, hey, I'm going to make this switch and I'm going to start buying real estate for myself? Yeah, it was it was like basically eight years ago, you know, because I was finding deals for all my clients. You know, like I would find an off market, fantastic deal and I would call my investor, you know, and I would make 6% on 50,000. And it just was, it just kind of hit me like I have the money. Like I, I have the ability to buy these. I have the, um, like I have the ability to like to remodel them. I, I mean, I know the right people. I know what they're worth. You know, like I can give up a, a 6% commission if I'm going to make $30,000 in three months. And so I just did one and it worked. And then I did another one and it worked. And initially I was flipping quite a few. I would say about six months in, I just decided I was going to start holding everything if it made sense as a rental because I was just super burned out on selling real estate. Well, how, how did you start selling in the first place? I just had like my old high school buddy. I was I was 24 at the time when I um when I got my sales license and I thought that you got it and then you would go like make a salary. Like I didn't actually know it was all commission until after I got my license, but it was my best friend at the time his dad just encouraged me to get it. He said, "You know, just get it. I think you could do good at it." I had already I I always had sales jobs. I didn't go to college and I barely graduated high school. And so, you know, at that point, it was just like I'm working at the car wash. I'm working at O'Reilly's, you know, the auto parts store. I'm just kind of like bouncing around from job to job, making really no money. And luckily, my best friend's dad, he was a successful guy. He was in commercial real estate, other stuff. And he's like, just why don't you just try it and go do it? I think you could. And so I did. Uh, and I immediately went and worked for a discount brokerage, a franchise. And I worked there for the first five years. And, but that's where I kind of hit burnout because I was selling a ton of houses, but I was just not making much money. And I just kind of started thinking, man, this, maybe this isn't for me. And so I moved from the, the discount brokerage into the traditional, you know, the 6% type deal. And that's when I started really experiencing the significant. So I get a pay raise and I started. I just started selling more real estate once I started getting paid more, you know, it kind of motivated me. So, but again, I so go how back. How much were I, you getting paid? How much did you get paid when um, you sold a house? It was like basically $1,200 is what it would average out. So I was selling like 60 houses a year 
and a, a high percentage of those were buyers, which are more labor intensive. And so, you know, I'm making 50, 60 grand a year, basically, versus making like 150 to, to 250 if I were charging more commission. But I was yeah. also, I was also really young. And so I don't know, it, it, it was okay. You know, it got me, it got me doing deals, you know, it got me learning the business. So I, I look back and I'm like, well, it served a purpose, you know. I don't really regret it or anything. I got a lot of experience in a short period of time, but I was happy to get away from that for sure. So all the real estate that you own now, Zach, do you self-manage that or do you have somebody else do that? I have somebody else that does it now. So I did it up until about, well, I stopped when I had around 50 units. So it got to where you're having just too many. People are always moving in and moving out. And uh, at that point, it just became too difficult between my sales business. So yeah, I've had somebody, I've had the same person for about three years. She manages my entire personal portfolio. And then I have a different management company that does our multifamily. So Zach, where do you go from here in, in your real estate investing journey? You're trying to get a certain amount of doors or net worth or passive income or what's, what's the outlook there? Yeah. You know, um, I'm not really sure to be honest with you. Um, I'm trying to figure that out. I think you know, I want to get to around 50,000 a month in cash flow. That's like my short term goal. Like that's where I want to get pretty quick. Um, and at that point, I might switch gears and start going into more of like a debt snowball type deal. I've always been fascinated with trying to do something like that with my whole portfolio. But but then I'm like, well, it's doing its job, you know, so it's like, why would I want to, you know, pay everything down if it's performing like it's supposed to, you know, so I don't know where I'm going to go next. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out, to be honest with you. Obviously, you moved into to a little bit of the multifamily space. Are all the ones that you own personally, are those mainly single family? Um, what I own is basically, so I've got a little over 100 doors and, and about uh, 30 to 35 of those are duplexes in just different areas of where I live here. And then there's a nine unit, a four unit, and then the rest are single families. Okay. So pretty substantial portion of single family. That's quite, I mean, that's a lot to manage, right? Well, yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it, it is. And, and what's the typical leverage ratio that you look for when you're acquiring? Obviously, it changes as, as properties have increased in value over the last several years. But typically, when you're looking at buying something, what what kind of leverage are you looking to put on something that, that you're buying personally? Mm -hmm. I like like for simple numbers. If it's worth a hundred thousand, I like to be all in for about seventy five thousand. And then in an ideal world, I have none of my own money in it, and then I can spin off some cash flow of like maybe three hundred to four hundred a month. That's like an ideal thing, you know. But some of them are much better than that, and then. Uh, some of them are not quite there, but I'm pretty picky. I mean, I only buy very undervalued, distressed real estate, and then we we remodel it and rent it. And so I don't. I just have not creeped my prices up over time because of the market. I've just kind of dug in and looked a little harder in different places. So my portfolio is about about 55 percent debt to value, or whatever you want to call it. Especially over the last few years, you know, the, the values have just gone so crazy, which, yeah, so it's, it's realistically, it's probably, yeah, 55%, 60% uh, debt is what I have on my portfolio. 
All right, let's pause the show and thank Exter for sponsoring this week's episode. At Exter, their mission is simple. They're in business to make people's daily lives easier. First, they reimagine the traditional wallet, making it easier to use and harder to lose. To them, innovation means bringing together the luxury of classic leather goods and the invention of slim technologies to create a wallet that's the best of both worlds. So what makes Exter different? Well, they've created a super slim wallet with a sleek and minimalistic design half the size of a conventional bifold wallet. They're quick and easy card access, environmental friendly and high quality materials, and they even include a solar powered tracking device that lets you track the wallet's location from a smartphone if you're one that loses the wallet often. So they sent Jason and I some of these wallets and they are cool. My wife and I were fighting over who got to keep it because you shake this thing and the cards just don't fall out and there was an easy clip to get the money out. So it was really, really cool. So get up to 20% off by using using code millionaire for the summer sale at shop.exter.com forward slash millionaire. Again, that's shop.exter.com forward slash millionaire for up to 20% off. And thanks to Exter for sponsoring this week's episode. And you plan to, to kind of maintain that, do cash out refis on them to stay around that 50 LTV or 55 LTV? I don't really know. I mean, that's the thing is like, I've, I want to exchange, you know, and get some better use of that equity, you know, cause I have so much idle equity, but when I find deals kind of like this apartment complex where, you know, one might normally think, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go sell off 10 of my properties, uh, you know, so that I can put a million dollars into the complex so we can buy it, you know, then, then you don't actually when you get right down to it, you don't have to put any money into it, you know? And so it's, it's actually been challenging to find things to buy, uh, because I don't, I only buy undervalued stuff. So when you buy undervalue, you know, the banks most of the time don't require you to put much in as long as you're getting a good deal. And so it's kind of like this circle where I keep accumulating equity and cash, but then I can't necessarily necessarily deploy it unless I buy things that are overvalued. And that's against my nature. So it's like, it's just kind of like a weird little circle, you know? So I don't know. I'm just going to keep letting tenants pay it all down and something comes uh, across my table that's big enough that I have to do something. Then, yeah, I would probably refinance and pull it out and roll it into another larger, better deal, you know? Yeah. How do you find properties undervalued? Well, mine's, I basically find everything through like bankers, through attorneys here, through the real estate agents. I mean, that's my niche. I don't do I don't do the mailers or the bandit signs or paper clicks or anything like that. I just advertise to my all my Facebook friends pretty hardcore. Like anybody in this area, if they think of buying or selling something that's kind of junky, whether it's apartments or I mean I probably pop into their mind. I'm I'm pretty obnoxious. Everybody that knows me knows this is what I do. So I get most of my business just from referrals of agents and attorneys and bankers and past clients, you know, my real estate business, my past clients there. So it's a pretty lean business. It just it doesn't require a great deal of money to to do that, which is nice. I've considered trying to ramp things up, you know, doing yellow letters and all that, but I don't know. I don't really want to. I'm just going to keep hammering away at what I'm doing. It's working okay, you know? 
Yeah. So 50% LTV, Zach, what does that mean? What What does that mean in terms of cash flow for you? What are you cash flowing on these? Um, on my personal portfolio, it's around 26000 a month, 27000 That's net after any repairs and, and mortgage payments and tax and everything? Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. Good for you. So it's just it's just been one, two properties at a time. Yeah, literally, it's uh, been the most I bought besides this multifamily deal I just bought. the The most I bought at once was thirteen, um, and then next to that was twelve, and that just happened last year. So it's just really been this slow. <laughs> I mean, literally buying it and then remodeling it and refinancing and then renting it and then doing it again and again and again. I started to I started to get more confident and and I would see like a six package deal, you know, and so I'd be like, oh, let me do that. I can grow quicker. And so but yeah, it's just been a very it's just been very slow. And, you know, a lot of people, they grow much faster than I than I have. I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So I just had to do it with I had to do it in a way that I was comfortable and that I knew how with what I had. And this is just the way it. This is just the way I, I did it, you know? Right. So any horror stories on your properties? Any bad experiences? You know, not really. No, not that I can remember. I mean, I'm pretty realistic. Like, I know things are just going to go bad. Things are going to happen. But it's nothing that, <laughs> you know, you can't just really write a check to fix, you know? That's the nice thing. When they cash flow mm-hmm. and, and you keep everything rented and you run a tight ship and you save your money and you let it pay for itself, it's that kind of stuff just kind of happens and then you just, you know, you write a check and you forget about it. So no, I don't, not really. I actually, actually I did. I bought, um, I bought 12 units about three months ago from a guy. I tried to buy them last year during the pandemic, but we couldn't come together on price. And, um, at the time it included this old house that was kind of sitting on this property, which was the one thing I didn't like about it the most. I just didn't like the house. It didn't fit and it was, I just didn't like it. And so anyway, fast forward here, you know, whatever it is, six months or eight months, he calls me back and he's like, Hey, I think I'm ready to sell. And I'm like, well, I'm probably not willing to pay what I was willing to pay last year because I was trying to get a deal done for depreciation, you know, and I wanted to help myself out on my taxes, but now that's come and gone. And so I ended up getting them for a better price. Well, the reason he called me was that house this winter, uh, one of the pipes busted and it flooded the crawl space for like an extended period of time or the basement and it washed the whole foundation out. And so he ended up having to pay to have the house torn down. Uh, and so now the house is gone. So I got it for way cheaper, uh, and the house that I didn't like is gone. But the horror story there is I almost bought it. (laughs) So I would have had to mess with that like two months after the closing had I gone through with that. So that was a horror story that I uh, I avoided, thank goodness. But other than that, n- nothing nothing too bad. I mean, we've only had to evict maybe five or ten people over the last eight years, you know, which is about the extent of it. And people trash them sometimes, but send the guys in and they fix it and you just kind of move on, you know. Yeah, so what's the price range you're buying at? How much is one of these homes? Um, a normal single family. Well, my single families are anywhere from around 75000 up to about a hundred and 60 the most okay. expensive and, one yeah is about 160 but but i've got 80 you know i bought it for 60 and put 20 in it and so, so my basis is 80 that's probably my most expensive one yeah and, and of the 100 doors that you have personally how many are single family 
I would say 25. 25 and the other 75 yeah. is multi? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and the right. 75 is that one big complex or a few? The sev- No, no, no. I've got, I've got around 30 to 35 duplexes that are just scattered oh, over okay. the city. Okay. And then I've got probably 25 houses, a nine unit and a four unit. And so it should, uh-huh. it should add up to a little over a hundred. And the numbers, it's, that's not exact, but that's like a decent summary of what it looks like. Sure. So with real estate booming and where prices are on everything right now, does it make you want to sell some of these or any of these or not Not at all? Yeah. No, it does. It does. I get calls just about every day from agents trying to offer me the prices for things, you know, that are silly. So, yeah, I do. I really do. But but I don't know what I would go buy. And when I think about what I like more, whether do I like the cash flow more or do I like more cash? Because if I sell them, you know, I have to exchange it. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I would ex- exchange it into. And I am not going to go overpay for things just to save some taxes. Because then it's like, what's the point, right? If you overpay to save tax, you know, on your taxes, it's like, well, it seems like a lot of effort for not. So, yeah, I'm definitely tempted, but I have plenty of cash. So it's like, okay, I sell it, and then I put more cash in my pocket to do nothing with. So I always just keep going back to the cash flow because it's it's really created a lifestyle that I don't have to sell real estate anymore. And, you, you know, I can travel, and I don't – I just don't – I work maybe 15 hours a week, and then I come bored the rest trying to figure out what the next step is. So it's like I don't think that selling anything, selling anything that I have would would make any sense at this point. All right, let's take a quick break from the show and thank Chime for sponsoring this week's episode. No one likes waiting on a paycheck, especially when you've got bills due. So good thing there's Chime. Now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit. That's up to two more days to save, pay bills, and generally just feel good about where about your money situation. I know sometimes it depends on the bank you use, and oftentimes at my previous job, I would get my direct deposit faster than others, so kind of a weird situation. But Chime is just more about getting paid early. It's also an award-winning mobile app, checking account, debit card, and an optional savings account, so some good services that Chime offers. So what are you waiting for? Hopefully not your paycheck. Get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes. Get started at chime.com forward slash millionaire. Again, that's chime.com forward slash millionaire. And banking service and debit card provided by the Bank Corp or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on each payer. So thanks again for Chime for sponsoring today's episode. So you say you moved pretty slowly, but this is all in the last eight years or so? Yeah, I bought my first house in 2013. Okay. So if if you're putting, let's just average these out. I mean, these are very rough numbers, but if if your average property cost is 110,000, let's say, or 100,000 maybe, and you're putting 50,000 down on each because you're at 50% LTV mm-hmm. times how many? It's 25 homes and 25 duplexes. So let's say 50,000 times 50, that's two and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. So did you have most of that when you started this? That's just money you mm-hmm. had saved or was a lot of that because no. you had sold properties and had some successes along the way? No. So I don't, I only have about 300,000 of my own money in my portfolio. So everything I buy, like a typical deal that I would buy is like, 
a house, um, let's say I would buy it for 50 and I would put 20 into it. So I would have 70 in it and then I would rent it for probably, let's say 850. Okay. And then back in the day when I bought it, the house was only worth 90 or 95. So I still had my 25,000 in equity and, and then I would burr it. So I would get my money back out of it. So I don't have any money in it. I would cash flow. But then, you know, over the last eight years, the values go up, you know, so I had, I have 70 in it. it. Originally it was worth about 90 and then they've gone up to like 110 and now they're like 130. So a lot of the equity is just when I buy it, you know, and I don't put, I, like I said, I only have like maybe 300 grand of my own money. Yeah, and that's, that's the money you needed to start all this. Yeah. Yeah. That's the money when I was selling a lot of real estate and I didn't know better. I was putting my own money into the down payment and the repairs. Now I don't do that. I, I do use my money. I, I, I use my cash to buy everything, renovate it, but then I refinance. I get all my money back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you get so a nice yeah, outdoor I, and you get a nice outdoor porch with birds, too. That's right. I know they're so loud tonight. They're everywhere. It's a beautiful <laughs> night. If I go inside, the kids are loud. So I'm. It's either birds or children. So I don't know. Yeah, take your yeah, take your pick, right? Right. I hope I explained so that, that right as far as like what you were asking me. No, no it's good. I, I was just kind of thinking. Okay, if you started this, you're putting fifty thousand into each property, but it's mm-hmm. it sounds at least when we were talking before that you sold some along the way too, right? And just kind of kept yes. snowballing that. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's been several deals where I've, I've, uh, like, I mean, I've got a, I bought a 12 unit last year or the year before last for 99,000. And then I renovated it. I spent 250,000. So I had 350 in it. I held it for a short period of time and then I sold it for 750. And then I exchanged that into a 20 house package. So there's like a lot of this equity is rolled from like just some base hits like houses. Uh, and then some larger deals that I've had some good luck with, but it's all, all very little of my whole portfolio is really my own cash. It's just the early days, you know, for the most part. So it's, but yeah, I've got, yeah, about 300, maybe a little gotcha. less of my own cash in it. Yeah. Okay. What mistakes have you made along the way? I think that just lately I've had the biggest realization and I think it ties into what we were talking about earlier, where I said that, like, I feel like I've built this very slowly. And I guess eight years is, you know, some would see that as quick, some wouldn't. But I think my mistake was that I was so, I was such a loner in the process that I didn't build relationships with people that could have helped me scale faster in different ways. Although I'm pretty happy with being a, my own partner on my portfolio. Like I'm, I prefer that actually. But just this most recent multifamily deal, it's kind of opened my eyes to like, it takes me eight years to build a portfolio of a hundred, and it took me twelve days to build a portfolio of let's say it's three hundred and seventy with two guys, you know, and that's just because of relationships. So I think my mistake or what I, you know, would change would be just being more open with people that are doing the same thing I'm doing instead of being so closed off. You know, just be put myself out there more with people, be more open, you know, yeah. connect with people on a little deeper level as far as that goes. I think it just would have helped me and helped other people more along the way, but you know. And if you could point to a couple things that 
you could say, hey, that's what made me successful. That's what has made me able to do this. And you're, I mean, 23, close to $25,000 a month in net cash flow. How have you been able to do that? What, what would you say are the big drivers? Um, I would say the two things are being able to identify a good deal and then take it for myself versus let someone else buy it. So, so that's one thing about me is I, I can, I know this market where I'm at. I, I know I can identify opportunity with real estate. So that's the first thing, just learning, learning the craft, you know, and being really good at it. And the other thing is just being able to control expenses and living below my means is the other thing because you can just sort of sink your own ship. You could have the best, you know, the, the nicest ship and still sink it if you, uh, aren't careful. So I, I would just say controlling expenses, controlling my personal expenses, uh, living below my means, I guess would be better. And then identifying opportunities with real estate and then acting on them. Yeah. How much do you spend a year? Um, we spend quite a bit now. I probably pay myself around 140,000 a year as a salary. And then I pay, and then we spend probably 75,000 traveling. You know, so the, some years it's a little more than that. So a couple, I would say easily 200,000, but could be a 250. Awesome, Zach. Well, you've done super well. We're looking forward to, to seeing what you're going to do in the future, what your future plans are, future goals. Before we uh, wrap up here, there's one piece of advice for maybe somebody who really wants to build a real estate portfolio. You mentioned, you know, understanding mm-hmm. the deal. Is there a book or a website or a tool that you would recommend somebody get a hold of or, or, or be around and utilize? Um, yeah, I would say I think the, the book that I read that probably changed my mindset the most, and it's done for a lot of people, so it's nothing new, but is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's what really got me thinking differently about my finances and how I'm going to make money and what I'm going to do with the money, real estate ended up being my my uh my method to do that but that book i would say is what uh set me on the the right path for sure when i was young so awesome that's zach with a net worth of over 6.5 million dollars thanks for coming on the show today awesome guys thank you for having me i appreciate it thanks zach thanks for listening to the millionaires unveiled podcast with clark sheffield and chase mantinson For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.